the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And the fifth trumpet introduces the first woe of the three woes, which is called the locust scourge, which comes shortly after the Protestant Reformation. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. We're concluding the broadcast we started last week. We were together, the locust scourge. It's a part of the Revelation series. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. And now, here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the conclusion to The Locust Scourge. It is today's Reaching Your Heart. The star that had fallen in the early Orthodox era of the Christian church was finally and fully fallen at the era of the Council of Trent. The Council of Trent is the great event which blotted out the sun. The locusts appear before the event to blot out the sun. Very clearly, before this happens, the locusts show up. The five months or 150 years begins when the locusts are given power to torture those who do not have the seal of God. That means they're given power to affect the Protestant world directly. That would mean that they would have in some way offset what history has called the Great Peace of Augsburg. I'll talk about that a little later. The five months or 150 years follows the Council of Trent. The characteristics of the locusts are described very clearly in Revelation 9, verse 7. Let's read together. In appearance, the locusts were like horses arrayed for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair like a woman's hair and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had scales like iron breastplates. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing to battle. They have tails like scorpions and stings, and the power of hurting men for five months lies in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. When you read these verses, it becomes very clear if you count things up, and I like counting lists in the Bible, that there are ten characteristics of the locust in the list. Now, what is the number ten famous for in the Bible? The Ten Commandments. So here are the locusts that obscure the sunlight, which represents God's law, and they have ten characteristics. They are taking the place of God's word and authority in the Christian church. Now, the prophet Daniel was very clear that in the Middle Ages, that Antichrist power in Daniel 7.25 would think to change times and law. And so the locusts have ten characteristics masking the sun, preventing the sunlight from shining upon the world, which is God's law and word. So these 10 characteristics for these locusts are here because they're anti-law. They blot out the son of God's word and they set aside the law. Let's look at them individually. Number one, like horses arrayed for battle. The illusion is coming from 
Jeremiah 8, 3 to 6, which describes the rebellious attitude of those who forsake God's word. Jeremiah 8, 3 to 6. I want to read it with you. Death shall be preferred to life by all the remnant that remains of this evil family in all the places where I have driven them, says the Lord of hosts. You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, when men fall, do they not rise again? If one turns away, does he not return? Why then has this people turned away in perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return. I have given heed and listened, but they have not spoken right. No man repents of his wickedness saying, what have I done? Everyone turns to his own course like a horse plunging headlong into battle. That's the imagery. In other words, eager to do evil like a horse wanting to go at it. Even the stork in the heavens knows their times and the turtle dove swallow and crane keep the time of their coming. But my people do not know the ordinance of the Lord. Now, what ordinance is he talking about? He's talking about the ordinance that says you have a sacred time with God. He's saying the seventh day Sabbath, which is to prevent you from falling into evil, which is to hold you close to the heart of God. My people don't know that they have a set time with me. And therefore they plunge into evil, missing the point here. The professed people of God need that sacred divine time appointment that the Bible has set aside so that they can be saved. And so the locusts, they don't care about that. They just lunge forward to the battle. Number two, the locusts have heads like crowns of gold. A crown is a symbol of political and kingly authority in the Bible. The locusts are very political and their crowns are golden. In Daniel 2 and 3, what does gold represent? What kingdom? The kingdom of Babylon. Very good. Or Nebuchadnezzar in his image. And so the locusts serve the harlot in the book of Revelation that is called Babylon. That's why gold is there. Moving on, number three, they have faces like human faces. Again, an allusion to the book of Daniel in Daniel 7, 8, 9. The little horn power which functions as antichrist in the Middle Ages that thinks to change God's times and law in Daniel 7, 25. He has eyes like a man and a mouth. He has a human face. And so these locusts look like that little horn in Daniel 7. Number four, they have hair like a woman's hair. In the book of Revelation, a woman symbolizes both a church system and a spiritual city. The pure woman of Revelation 12 that gave us Jesus is the heavenly Jerusalem, but it becomes the Christian church in the Middle Ages that is connected to it, that is persecuted by the dragon. In contrast, in Revelation 18, there's a harlot city, the great city that sits on seven hills that will be judged at the very end by the coming of Christ. This harlot sits on a beast in the wilderness and she will have nothing to do with Jesus because she is politically connected to the kings of the earth. She has committed fornication with the world powers and has no place for Jesus in her Christian experience. Two church systems, two cities, one earthly, one heavenly, one corrupt, one pure. These locusts have hair like a woman's hair because they belong to Babylon, that false church system that is described in Revelation 18. Number five, the locusts have teeth like a lion. In Daniel 7, 4, a winged lion represents Babylon, just like the gold. The locusts are the teeth of the great city that is spiritually Babylon. Number six, the locust scales look like iron breastplates. Again, going back to Daniel 2, students of Daniel, what does iron represent in Daniel 2? Which kingdom? The fourth great kingdom of Rome. Very good. And also in Daniel 7, Verse 7, the iron teeth of the fourth beast that is Rome. Again, iron is a symbol of Rome. And so we see the imagery of a Roman Babylon in these locusts, a medieval Roman Babylon. Number seven, they possess wings that sound like chariots rushing to battle. They are an army for Roman Babylon in the Middle Ages that makes war on the Bible and the truth of God. 
The figure of the chariots and locusts is coming from the prophet Joel, who saw the locusts as a swarming army that comes before the day of the Lord. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Joel 2. Let's read this little section to get a real picture of this Old Testament background imagery here. It says, Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of the mountains. Like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them, peoples are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. He's describing here an invasion from the north that overtook the holy people of God. Verse 9, they leap upon the city, they run upon the walls, they climb up into the houses, they enter through the windows like a thief, the earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun, the moon are dark, and the stars withdraw their shine. Again, the imagery of the fourth trumpet is there. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his host is exceedingly great. He that executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Yet even now, says the Lord, now notice this, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and repents of evil. So why did God allow the locusts in the Middle Ages? He allowed them so that the Christian church would realize its need and it would return to God and to the Bible and would be saved. It was a discipline upon the children of the Reformation to get it right and come home to God. Number eight, tales like scorpions that sting. In Deuteronomy 8.15, the people of Israel were stung by scorpions in the wilderness. Ezekiel 2.6, a scorpion is connected to the rebellious house of faith. Number nine, it says they have power to harm for five months, which is literally 150 years. In Genesis 8, 3, the waters covered the earth at the time of the flood for 150 days, and then they abated. In Luke 1, 24, Elizabeth hid herself for five months before Mary came, and it was announced that she was pregnant with the Messiah. She did so, the reason is given, because of the days of her affliction. So five months in both instances represents a very bad time for the people of God. Number 10, the final characteristic of the locusts who take the place of the law of God, who blot out the sun, who are obscuring light in the Middle Ages. It says, their king is the king of the bottomless pit. Abaddon in Hebrew and Apollyon in Greek, which means the destroyer. The Greek word translated bottomless pit is the word for abyss, and it means the sea. There's no missing who this king is. In Isaiah 27, 1, the Bible says the dragon lives in the sea, and God will one day destroy that dragon who lives in the sea. In Revelation 12, 9, John says that that ancient dragon is the devil and Satan that God will eventually destroy. The locusts are a satanic army from the abyss that appears after the early Reformation, that tries to overtake the Christian world and the entire world and destroy faith, destroy the Bible, and to bring it to the authority of the church, but not the authority of God. The locusts are here an army that overtakes the world that is part of a church-state system that appears contextually as a Roman Babylon, that is a church system with woman's hair. The locusts blot out the sun that represents God's law and word. Friend, 
There's only one military body in history that meets all of these 10 characteristics. And I haven't told you what it is yet, have I? But I'm going to. And what I'm sharing with you was understood in the Counter-Reformation by men and women who died at the stake because they had this understanding I'm sharing with you today. It is not new with me. That order that was a military order here described, Ignatius Loyola is the founder of that order. He was a Spanish soldier who was wounded by cannonball. Because of his injury, he was unable to realize his political ambitions as a warrior. So he set his heart to become a warrior for the Church of Rome. He received what he believed were visions from Mary to serve the church with military discipline. The Bible says the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. For Mary to have appeared to him, it would have contradicted the word of God because the dead are unconscious until the resurrection. This was not Mary interacting with Ignatius Loyola. From the bottomless pit, demonic activity was interacting with him to change the world. After a series of visions, Ignatius Loyola advanced in his spiritual exercises until the year 1540 when the Society of Jesus, as it was called officially, recognized by Pope Paul III, became the servant of the church, an order recognized by the medieval church. So it appeared five years before the Council of Trent, 1540, and was organized as such. This military order was prominent at the Council of Trent. It was officially recognized, and so it began to work to blot out the sun right at that council. At the Council of Trent, they were appointed as the agents of the Inquisition and the servants of Rome to destroy the Reformation, belief in the Bible. They led the way in the repudiation of the Bible's authority over the church fathers and councils at the Council of Trent. They articulated the philosophical and theological logic necessary to repudiate the teaching of justification by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now, some of you have asked, well, why is Pastor Mike not so keen on philosophy? Because philosophy was used by the Jesuits in the Counter-Reformation to destroy the authority of the Bible. There's simply no place in the pulpit for a philosophy alongside the Holy Word of God. They swore blind obedience to the Bishop of Rome and service to the church and to Mary as the, at the loss of conscience or life itself. They were willing to break their conscience to follow the church and to follow Mary. The Peace of Augsburg forged by the Reformers and others in 1555 brought peace to Europe. It allowed both Catholic and Protestant lands to coexist in peace. It was a Christian peace forged by both church groups. The Jesuits set their sights on destroying this peace and ending the Reformation by skillful political intrigue and revolution. They instigated the massacres on St. Bartholomew's Day in the year 1572. They moved Spain to attack England in the Great Armada Crisis of 1588. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. And they executed the successful assassination of Henry IV of France on May 14th in 1610. It was a Jesuit knife that plunged into his heart because of the Edict of Nantes. Why was that such a deadly and deathly thing to the Jesuits? 
because it gave religious freedom to the Protestants in France. They set their sights on England to assassinate Queen Elizabeth, who was a Protestant. They attempted to blow up the English Parliament in the Great Gunpowder Plot, but their plans were thwarted by discovery. They worked the Inquisition well, which took countless lives in the old world and the new. Only God knows how many people died at the hands of the Inquisitor. The five months described in Revelation 9-5 actually began when they fomented the Thirty Years' War in Europe. Why? Because the Bible says they do harm on those who do not have the seal of God. The peace of Augsburg had kept the Protestant land separate from, from the Catholic states. It had prevented the torture here described on a massive scale. In the year 1517, they manipulated the appointment of Ferdinand II as the crown prince of Bohemia. Now, John Huss had died at the stake of the Council of Constance. He was a Bohemian monk who stood for the Bible and for righteousness by faith. And so they struck at the very place where faith had shown the brightest in the Middle Ages. Ferdinand II had been trained under the Jesuits. And they knew that when he became king, it would destabilize Europe and bring the peace of Augsburg to an end. In the year 1618, the Thirty Years' War broke out in Europe because of what happened in 1517. Perhaps a million lives were lost in the course of this awful war. The Great War ravaged Europe as the locusts destroyed the work of God, as they destroyed the planting of the Reformation, of the revival of the Word of God that had taken root in the early part of the 16th century. When the war ended at the Peace of Westphalia in 1648, Europe was moving secular for good. The Jesuit order, the Society of Jesus, looked to the new world. They were globalist, and so they instigated the Seven Years' War of 1756 to 1763 in the new world, which has been called the French and Indian Wars. The Jesuits had used the writings of Aristotle and the tools of Greek philosophy well to defeat the Bible teaching and preaching of the Reformation. They were the first globalists who attempted to conquer the world for the sake of the church, but they couldn't conquer themselves. And they left a mess in the old world and the new. In time, one Catholic dominion after another said, we've had enough of this. There are good people in the Roman Catholic Church, and there were good people in the Middle Ages that said, we don't want any more of this. And one nation after another pushed them out of power and influence. The Catholic dominions let them go because of what they had done. The peoples of Europe became sick of the old Catholic faith and they were sick of the new Protestant faith too because they didn't like Christians fighting and duking it out like this. And the Jesuits had instigated the instability of the religious wars of Europe. And as the Society of Jesus lost its power in the nations of Europe, the persecutions of the Middle Ages eventually came to an end. People began to live who were being killed at the stake. In the year 1762, the last recorded execution in France was carried out. The fate of the order was soon to follow as it came to a head in the year 1767, which has been called by history the Great Suppression of the Jesuits. It is a prophetic event. 1767 to 1768 marks the year the locusts dramatically disappear from the world. Exactly 150 years from the time they instigated the Thirty Years' War in 1617 to the wars beginning in 1618, by the appointment of Ferdinand II, Carlos of Spain, Carlos the Great, throughout his vast world empire, the great Spanish conquistador empire, had them arrested in a single night, taken away to never come back again. 
And the locusts disappeared as they do in nature. Within two years, their power was fully rested in Europe. And on July 21, the year 1773, after the fact, Pope Clement IX had the order officially banned as part of the Roman Catholic Church. The papacy had rejected the locusts. Friend, this understanding of prophecy was clearly understood by the English reformers and the Huguenots during the Counter-Reformation. The French pastor Jacques Philippot identified the locusts as the Jesuits of the Society of Jesus in his book in the French, which is a translated title, Clarifications of St. John's Revelation. It was printed in the year 1687. He was in the heart of this thing, and he got it right. Jacques Philippot correctly identified the 150 years as the period the Jesuits tortured the inhabitants of Europe. It brought down the harvest of the Reformation and was afflicting the people of God. He was not alone. Bible students in England wrote the same thing. In the notes of their Bibles that were printed for the English people that survived the persecutions of Europe. Friends, the people who suffered during the Counter-Reformation era, they left a written testimony to the correct understanding of the fifth trumpet. I didn't come up with this stuff I shared with you today. I'm simply sharing with you the faith of the Christian church during this awful period of time. Using the book of Revelation as a guide, Jacques Philippot, going to Revelation 11, the sixth trumpet, predicted that a revolution in France would bring the old religious order down. A hundred years before it happened, he foresaw the French Revolution based on the study of Bible prophecy. The locusts appeared upon the earth to destroy faith in the Bible. And when they were done, Europe was secular. And the land that was the battlefield for the Bible between Catholics and Protestants surrendered the faith of Jesus, the faith in the Bible, and even the faith of the old Catholic faith. It moved from Christianity to secularism. The Jesuits were banned to the island of Corsica, where they were influenced the rise of Napoleon Bonaparte. They mentored him. The French Revolution swept across Europe and it swept the power of the church away, both Catholic and Protestant, swept away. In a way, the locusts won the war for the Bible in the old world. We come to the end of the fifth trumpet. The Bible is blotted out in the old world. They blotted out the sun. They used philosophy and theology to take the place of Bible exegesis. They stripped people of a practical understanding of Jesus in their lives. And so the Reformation is shut down by the religious wars of Europe. As bad as all this history was to live through, friend, Jesus loves his dear children in the Roman Catholic faith. Are you listening to me? And he loves his dear children in the Protestant faith. And the Bible is never the basis for war, is it? And so the people of the Bible became the people of war. God was looking to the new world for a rebirth of the Christian church after the medieval struggles. And so the fifth trumpet, as it shuts down, we transition to the sixth and seventh trumpet where faith will burgeon in the new world, where the book of Daniel will be unsealed, where the great religious revivals in America will give rise to a global prophetic movement of every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, where it doesn't matter where you've come from, what church you've belonged to in the past. If you want Jesus in the Bible, you belong to God and you belong to this precious family. Friend, I have dear friends in the Roman Catholic Church who love Jesus immensely. And I have dear friends in the Protestant faith who love Jesus immensely. And I believe at the end of time, the only faith that will stand on the sea of glass is a Bible faith that is rooted in Jesus. And so let us not think of what someone has come from or what they're about in terms of their church culture or history. 
Let's proclaim Christ and the word of God with the love of Jesus Christ. The Society of Jesus polluted the spiritual air of Europe as they stamped out faith in the old world. Let's give the Roman Catholic the church the credit that it deserves. It banned this society coming up to the French Revolution. The sixth and seventh trumpets were yet to sound. And two more woes were destined to bring the battle for the Bible and the faith of Jesus, the battle for the Son to the new world and to its final global encounter. It will be in the sixth trumpet that we see an angel descend from heaven with one foot upon the sand and one foot upon the sea, whose face shines like the sun because he is the word of God, who holds in his hand the open book of Daniel to give the Bible back to the Christian world and to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. The sixth and seventh trumpets were yet to sound, and two more woes were destined to bring this battle for the Bible to the new world in a final encounter in the mark of the beast. Revelation 9, 12, the first woe has passed, Behold, two woes are still to come. And after the third woe, Jesus comes. After the third woe, Jesus comes. Now, we've got to go through these two woes together. Now, I've noticed as I've been talking about the woes that we don't have as many pews here. People aren't sitting in as many chairs. You bring a friend here because the next study will be Revelation 6. We'll be focusing on the French Revolution, the four angels that were loosed at the time of the end, the unsealing of the book of Daniel. We're going to be moving through the two woes, and we're going to encounter end-time truth shortly as we move into the book of Revelation. God bless you and keep you and hang on to the sun. What do you say? Hang on to the sun. Thank you for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude The Locust Scourge, a part of the Revelation series. You can listen to it again online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening. And we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.